welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. I was laughing about the fact that I had just, I said, man, in the past seven days, I've had, I've had a couple different pretty stressful situations. In fact, I can't, like, there's so, as a pastor, there's some things that are so sensitive, I can't tell anybody about it. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had anything like that. But, like, I got to take it to my grave. I can tell Roe, and that's it. Like, I can't, t- so I'm like, man, I can't even share with you so that you can have pity on me and be like, oh, yeah, that's tough, man. Like, I can't even get sympathy from people because I, I have to hold people's secrets, right? I can't just share everything with folks. So I'm very cautious about that. So I'm like, man, I can't even tell you the two different situations. But trust me, it's, it's a little bit stressful. And he's like, well, it sounds like you're dealing with it pretty well. I said, well, yeah, I think I am. And he's like, well, I don't think I deal with stress very well. And the truth is, you know, we talked about it. I said, man, I don't think hardly anybody deals with stress very well. There's wonderful Christian people who love Jesus, go to church, read their Bible, and they do not deal with stress very well. And so as we began to talk about it, I said, well, what's the opposite of stress? Like, what do you want? Peace. There's scriptures about peace, right? There's all kinds of scriptures. Jesus said in the Gospels, my peace I leave with you. The world doesn't give it and the world can't take it away. And so what, we, what happens is we feel stressed and we don't know how to deal with stress. And so we see what the kingdom of God is. It is peace. And we say, yes, I want that. How do I get the peace of God? Right? Scripture says that this peace, the peace of God will guard your heart. It's a peace that passes all understanding. It'll guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Yes. How do I get that? And so you go on YouTube and you type in, how do I get the peace of God? And you're going to get all of these videos and sermon series and teachings about how to get the peace of God. And they're they're not necessarily bad. Many of them are taking usually three primary approaches based on their favorite person of the Trinity. (laughs) The Pentecostals and Charismatics, they love the Holy Spirit. So they're going to talk about peace comes when, when, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, which is true. It's not untrue. And some of them will say peace comes when you're slain in the spirit. You know, you fall out at church and you lay there for 30 minutes or whatever. You wake up more peaceful. And that's true. It's not untrue. Uh, Derek Prince will tell you peace is by casting out the demons that are stopping you from getting peace. And there's some element of truth to that. Right? And so, but one section of, of Christianity is like, yeah, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. This is how you get peace. You, you, and, 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 and that's not untrue. Then there's a whole other section of Christianity, the Baptists. They're going to give you a a seven-step program to attaining peace. Because for them, they want to learn. So come to Sunday school, and we'll teach you how to walk in peace. And absolutely, peace is a process. So I'm I'm not against the Baptists. Hey, this is true. Now, the Charismatics, you come and get peace right now. We'll lay lay our hand on your head. Boom, you're going to get peace. The Baptist, it's going to take a little while, about 30 years. You're going to, after you go through this class and that class and go to financial peace with Dave Ramsey, like the, you get the seven baby steps, get all that stuff, and then we're going to build peace through knowledge, which there's an element of truth to that. And then there's the more liberal churches. They're all into, hey, you know what? I want peace. Start serving your neighbors. 
right? Go out, there's all these branches falling down. Go pick those up. Be a part, make a difference in your community. Sure, and, and absolutely, I've seen that too. The problem is, I think we're all asking the wrong question. We're asking the question, how do I get peace? But we should be asking, how do I grow peace? See, Jesus here in this story, he talks about the kingdom of heaven and how it works. Here's how it works. First off, it works all by itself. What that means is, is it works naturally. The kingdom of heaven grows in your, your faith grows naturally, as opposed to mechanically. And it's difficult for us to understand because we live in a mechanical world. We live in an post-industrial revolution world where we have assembly lines, where we have computers that apparently occasionally wig out on us and cause our sound to go bad. But these computers say, if you, like if you, if you want to change a computer, if you want to grow a computer, you have to log in, like if you have a MacBook and you want the new iOS, right, the new operating system, you log in and you download it. You add something to it that it didn't have before. That's how computers grow. You, they grow by addition. And if we're not careful, we can also adopt the same theology of our own spiritual growth that, okay, I'm here, I'm in church, I want to get closer to God, so I need to add something to my life so that I can get closer to God. I need to add knowledge if you're a Baptist. I need to add an experience if you're a Pentecostal. I need to add works if you're more of the liberal kind of theologies. But all of those are, they're, they're, they're all looking at the, the, the product. They're not looking at how this happens. Because there are many people that have amazing experiences. They still don't have peace. Right? They, 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 maybe they have a toxic work environment and there's crazy stuff going on at their job and when they go into their job, they, they lose their peace because they enter into a toxic work environment. And so they say, well, I don't know how to get what the Bible says I can have. I know what it is. I don't know how I get that. And that's what this next sermon series is all about. How does the kingdom of God operate in my life? First off, it operates all by itself, which means it happens naturally, not mechanically. If you want to grow a computer, you add something to it. All right, if you're, if you're on Minecraft and you want a different skin, my kids like Minecraft, you, you just go, you know, you find it, you purchase it, you, you change that. But, but that's not how living things work. And that's something to be, to be recognized, that God, Jesus, sees our faith as a living thing. It's not a, a machine. It's not you just add to it, right? And so we're always at, trying to add knowledge. Or we're trying to add an experience. Or we're trying to add serving. And you can add those things, but that will not cause it to grow, right? Like uh, uh, Friday, Jalisha had the twins, the, the, the surrogate twins that she's been carrying. 34 weeks, I think, she made it. And uh, they, they came out. They're, they're pretty healthy right now. Um, they're breathing on their own, so that's good. One was four and a half pounds. One was like five pounds, right? But these are living things, right? These are humans. So living things work different than machines. So you want them to grow. You want them to be healthy. But you can't just throw a carrot at them, <laughs> right? You can't just add health food, like in, like in the little, little, little pod or whatever it's called that the little baby lays in and they got the cover and all that stuff and the oxygen being pumped in. Like you can't just like pour in healthy food in there 
and expect the baby to become healthy. No, it is going to happen naturally, but you do have to nurture the baby, right? And so, so Jesus says, man, your, your faith is a living thing. So you can't just, like, I, I think sometimes, like, we, we want peace, and so we go to God and say, God, give me peace. And God looks at us kind of funny, and he's like, I've already given you peace. Didn't you read? My peace I leave with you. The world doesn't give it, the world can't take it away. You're like, yeah, I don't have enough peace. Yeah, that's because he gave it to you in seed form. And a mechanical generation doesn't understand what to do with a seed. He's given us enough peace, more than enough peace, to surpass our understanding and to carry us through every situation. The problem is we hold on to the seed, we don't plant it into our hearts. And it is not enough in seed form. The only thing a mechanical generation knows what to do with the seed is to eat it. <laughs> During the fast, man, I was eating a lot of pumpkin seeds, those salted pumpkins, a lot of protein, kind of tasted okay. But if you just chomp on the seed, then you've lost the purpose of it. The purpose of it is to plant and for that thing to grow and produce more fruit of peace in your life. And so when we talk about spiritual growth, when we talk about you and I growing and our faith growing, you need to understand it happens all by itself, which means it happens naturally, not mechanically. Right? If you're, if you're here today and you were to talk to me after service, say, Pastor Harry, please pray for me that I get buff. <laughs> I want to get ripped. I want some biceps, triceps, some pectoral muscles, some lats. You know, I want to I get shredded. Please lay your hands on me and pray for me that I just get shredded. You're laughing because that's ridiculous. You're praying for God to do something instantaneously that's actually the product of a process. Because you are a living thing. So God doesn't just, boom, zap, there's your muscles. That's not how that works. There's a process. I clearly don't know the process or care enough to learn. So don't ask me. Talk to my brother. Talk to, Katie knows a little bit about it. We got some folks here that know a little bit. We got some people. I don't know, but there is a process and it's going to take some time. It's going to take some dedication. You're going to have to change your life habits if you want this thing to grow. Thing called muscles because muscles are living things. So anything that's living can only grow naturally. It cannot be forced. It cannot be mechanical. It cannot be magical. God doesn't wave wands over us, right? And say, ta-da, there's your peace. That's not how that works. He gives us peace in seed form. He says, here you go, here you go. Now plant it. Now nurture it. Now water it. And, 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 it, and it will grow naturally which which is why i think why i think sometimes we feel like god like i think people that don't know god very well they're afraid of of some kind of forced process but no god's inviting you on a natural growth process that will fit you that will fit naturally with you in fact religion and man-made religion places external pressure on us to grow because it basically takes a mechanical mindset and applies it to an agricultural reality and says, well, okay, so within six months, you should have already grown by this level, right? Timelines. Timelines are mechanical mindsets. They don't have timelines in agricultural mindsets. I mean, they do, but it's mighty blurry. 
And it has specifically to do with, with the elements. How much rain did we get this season based on when we can, when we, when we, we, we can bring in a harvest? So it's all based on how well cultivated, how well nurtured something was. It's not based on, I said I was going to do it at this time, therefore it's going to happen. No, in, the, in a mechanical world, that's how that works. You start downloading an update, 55% remaining. Right? 65% uh, 65% done, 75% done, 85% done. It gets a 99% and it sits there forever with a little spinny wheel. And it's like, wait a minute, why is the last percent so much harder? And, 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 and the, the interesting thing about mechanical realities is you can hit pause on it. Right? Like you can stop the download. Or like many of us this past week, you can lose power. Your internet goes out. And for some of you, if you have Austin power, you might be out for like days. You might come back four or five days later. And guess what? You can re-download. You can start again where you left off because it's a machine. It remembers exactly how much it downloaded and it knows it's got 5% or whatever left. But living things don't work like that. I was sharing with somebody recently, you got to be careful, you got to guard your faith because if you hit pause and walk away for a week, when you come back, it will not be the same faith you left. You're not hitting pause. When you hit pause on a living thing, that living thing starts to die, right? If you're growing a plant and you're like, you know, I don't, I'm going on vacation, I'm not going to water it for the next two weeks. You don't come back to the same plant. <laughs> yeah, you don't come back. Yeah, you leave it outside during a freeze. Once it unthaws, it's not the same plant. And what happens is I think a lot of people, they don't realize their faith is a living thing. They think it's a linear mechanical thing. So they think, you know what? I'm, I'm getting a little stressed right now, getting a little over, over, overwhelmed right now. I need to step back for a while from church. I need to step back for a while from prayer. I need to step back from, it's just getting to be a bit too much. And they step back thinking that they can step back in when they're ready. But they come back to a shriveled up dead faith. And they have to go all the way back to seed form again. And all of their growth is lost. All of their progress is lost. It doesn't mean it can't be recovered. But it does mean there's a cost. With living things, there's a cost to neglect. This is true also in marriage, by the way. There's a cost to the neglect. To the withdrawing. Or to the toxic pursuing. There's a cost you have to rebuild trust again, and that takes time. You have to rebuild uh, connection again, and that takes time. You never come back. And when it's, when it's a living thing, you, when you come back to it, it's not what you left. So my encouragement is stick with it. Stick with your faith because it grows naturally, which means it's not mechanical. This thing's organic. It's living. You have to feed it every day. You have to water it every day. You have to make sure that it's, it's getting the right nutrients, that your faith is getting what it needs. And if you do that, then it grows by itself. It grows naturally. But many of us are used to thinking more mechanically. And there's a, there's, a, there's a cartoon, I guess it's a little corny, but there's a cartoon that we use when we're talking about uh, uh, church development, especially using this, this mindset with regard to our leadership team. And um, if you guys want to put it up there, it's a cartoon of, of some guys pushing. Well, one guy's pushing, one guy's pulling a cart. And uh, the cart, you might notice, has some problems. <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, Can it, does anybody see what, see what the problems are? It's got some square wheels. That's one of the problems. What's the other problem? The round wheels are in the cart. So what happens is many of us have an idea of spiritual growth very similar to, to this, this cart here. We got these square wheels that, don't, that, that aren't organic, that aren't natural. They're forced. And so your version, so for you, if you're, if, if you, if you're, if you're pulling or pushing a square cart and you want to go forward, what do you have to do? Pick it up. You have to work harder. You have to push longer. You have to do more. And so many of us, our version of spiritual growth is, okay, I need to grow, which means I need to work harder, which means I need to push longer, which means I need to do more. Right? So, 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 so if my kids had like one activity a week to be a good dad, I need to do three activities this week. <laughs> if they're involved in two sports, they need to be involved in four sports. Right? If I was, if I was, if I was, a, if I, if, if I was really going to be a part of City Chapel, if they have a group on Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and Thursday night, I need to be there at Tuesday night. I need to be there Wednesday night, and I need to be there Thursday night. Right? And, 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 and so that's why we get burned out. That's why you can notice there's sweat pouring off of them. You see the little splashing of sweat. Like, because it's hard, and yet it's not supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be all by itself. The kingdom of heaven grows all by itself and yet we often turn it into this competition of of how disciplined can I be and in this environment the more disciplined people seem to be more spiritual but they're not they seem to though because they push harder and longer and they're more organized than some of the rest of us but that same drive that works great in the corporate world by the way you'll get ahead you'll make money that way because we live in a mechanical age where constant input of energy actually yields fruit and reward. But in an agricultural society, there are entire seasons where all of your energy are, is pointless. <laughs> like, 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 seriously, if, if stuff grew because you wanted it to grow, row would be an amazing botanologists or whatever they call them, bot, botany, bot, botanists. She'd be great. She'd have a green thumb. As it is, she kills most things that she tries to plant. Because desire and energy, you want to talk about energy, Ro has like so much energy. She's like, boom, 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 boom. She'll get a thousand things done in a day. The problem with plants is it doesn't matter how much you do. In fact, over energy can actually kill plants. You can overwater, you can overcultivate, you can you can overdo it. So pushing the same thing that helps you in the corporate world hurts you in the spirit realm. We don't move forward because we're driven. We don't move forward because we can we can we can last really long hours and get up early, stay up late, drink a lot of coffee. That's not how we move forward. The 21 days, I think, is, is really great evidence of that. During the 21 days, for those of you that participate with us in January, man, we were fasting and praying. When you're fasting, you don't have as much energy. So you literally don't get as much done. 
And even as a church, like normally I'm, I'm in charge of like getting songs together with Corey. We put songs for our worship team. The songs were getting out to the worship team like around Friday or Saturday. Like, hey guys, tomorrow, these are the songs I'm thinking we can do. Because I'm going to bed at 11. I'm normally going to bed at 1. Like, don't have any espresso in my system or sugar or carbs, you know? So you're just more tired. So you sleep more. You do less. And it's amazing whenever we do less, what God can do when we stop messing with it. When we stop, wow, well, let, me, let me just work on this a little bit. Now, faithfulness is a good thing, and there's a, there's a balance there. But when you look at Jesus' story, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sows seed, and then what does he do? Can we go back to that scripture where Jesus says a man, the kingdom of heaven is like, it's like a man who sows seed, and then what does he do? And should sleep by night. <laughs> Some of you just need, that's your life verse right there. Some of you just need to grab a hold of that. Sleep by night and rise by day. And worry about it? No. And think about it? No. And plan and strategize about it? No. Sometimes we work so hard to grow our faith. And it is the work of growing our faith that proves we do not have faith. And so we kill the little bit of faith that we have. I've seen so many people, man, they, they plant, they, they wait, they have faith. They go to lay down and rest. That's what sleeping is, resting, closing your eyes, saying, I believe God's got it. I believe, because this is what a farmer has to do. He has to put something under the ground and believe that even when he can't see it, something's happening. And believe that even when he can't feel it, something's happening. He has to believe that God is going to do what God always does. And he has to leave it. And I've seen so many people, man, they plant, they wait, they look around, you know, and they sit there by it, and they're like, well, I don't really see anything happening, on, no, no. And they worry, and they fret, and, they, and they're anxious, and they're desiring, and Pastor Harry, please pray for me. I need to see some growth here. I really need to see some growth. I haven't seen any growth in like five minutes. And they sit there, and they stare, and then it comes the evening time, and it's time to go to bed, and they, they okay, I need to rest. Yeah, I need to rest in God's faithfulness, right? And so they lay down, and the enemy starts telling them, well, but I don't know. I don't know if anything's happening. And so they get up out of bed, they grab their shovel, they dig up the seed to check on it. They need a status update. Are we at 55%? Are we at 65%? Are we at 70? They, they think like a computer. They want a status update. They want to know what's the progress, where are we at? But the kingdom of heaven grows all by itself, meaning without you, without your help without your energy, without your worrying, without your works, without your motivation, without your pushing, the kingdom of heaven grows by itself. By the way, it only grows by itself. When you reach in there, dig it up, pull it up, you just stop the growth, man. You just stopped it. You killed it. Maybe you see that, oh, it was, it was, it was coming out of the seed a little bit. Now it's not. <laughs> it's done. You need to grab new seeds, put it in the ground, this time leave it. Sometimes we're so anxious to feel that we are making progress that we, that, that we forget that faith is the opposite of sight. Faith is silent. Faith is hidden. Faith is under the soil. Faith happens. Faith grows in secret. 
not in the open, not with great grandiose testimonies, you know? That's not where faith grows. That's where sight happens. Testimonies are where people are like, man, I'm starting to see something. This is awesome. But man, there are some people, they, they, they can't wait to see something, so they dig stuff up. <laughs> I don't know. I grew up in a church where every week we had testimony time. Did you guys ever grow up in that church? It testimony time. And there were, we, we had some diggers. Because you're sitting there and sister so-and-so sharing such and such. And it's, that's really not a, that's not a thing. It's not really that great. She's, she's digging for something. She, cause, because, because she needs it. She needs to feel like she's made progress this week. She needs to feel like God's doing something this week. She's sharing, not because it's actually glorifying God at all. She's digging around. It's like, oh, it's, it's the smallest little things. And it's like, can't you just let it sit for a while? <laughs> like, share something when, when you see some real growth. Share something when something miraculous, something that you or me or just any old atheist couldn't talk about. You know, something real, something life-changing, something, something powerful. Share that. Oh, you never get there because you keep digging it up. Wow. And you celebrate mediocrity when God would have you live in fruitfulness. So what it means for me to say that this happens all by itself, one, it means it happens naturally. Two, it means it happens secretly. And three, it means it happens independently without my pushing without my prodding, without my manipulating and structuring and, and planning. Which means I have to rest. Which means I have to learn how to go, how to lay my head on the pillow surrounded by barrenness. And believe that God has assigned himself to my fruitfulness. And believe that God has assigned himself to my fruitfulness. That I am not responsible for my spiritual growth. That I cannot make anything grow. You can't make people... Have you ever tried to make somebody grow? In any form of life. Relationally, emotionally, spiritually. As a pastor, trust me, I've tried. I'm like, hey, man, if I, maybe if I say just the right thing at just the right time. Maybe if I pray for them and fast for them. Maybe, the, maybe like just the right, like, oh man, it doesn't work. You can't make anything grow. You can't make your friends grow, your family grow. You can't make your, your country grow. You, you can't make a plant grow. You can't make a tree grow. You can't make your own kids grow. My kids are at the age where they're kind of debating who's going to be the tallest. <laughs> you know, because they're mad and sprouting up ahead of Micah, but usually boys take longer, but then they get tall. And so they're all like kind of debating. And I'm like, man, like, I don't know, you don't know, and no amount of worrying about it, Jesus said, can add one inch to your height. Because God knows, and God causes things to grow. Paul said, I planted and Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. I'm not responsible for increase. I'm not responsible for growth because I can't do that part. My part is to plant. My part is to water. My part is to cultivate, and my part is to rest. And if I've cultivated, and if I've planted, and if I've watered, and if I've rested... 
if I've laid my head on the pillow surrounded by barrenness, but believing that God has made himself responsible for my fruitfulness, and that God's really good at that. God's really good at fruitfulness. But so often, man, it's so hard for us to rest when we see barrenness. Because we're like, yeah, but, yeah, but you don't understand. I need peace, like now. <laughs> my toxic work environment, I need peace now. <laughs> and, and the beauty is God will give it to you. Drip. One little seed in your hand. No, God, I need, I need more than that. No, no, no. You need to cultivate that. You don't need more, you need to cultivate. If you cultivate, you'll have more. In fact, you'll have enough to share. Like I was talking to my friend, he said, how do you deal with stress? And I said, well, what's the opposite? That's peace. How do you get peace? Scripture tells us that it is a fruit. It's not a gift. It's a fruit. Fruit grows all by itself. Scripture says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. So again, the question is not how do I get it, how do I produce it? How do I grow it? And unfortunately, we look at trees that have, you know, apple trees that have beautiful apples on them, and we're like, I want that. Cool. Take that apple that God gave you. Jesus said, I give you my peace. I give you the seed. And don't eat it all. <laughs> Plant it. Bury it in your heart. Allow that thing to take root in your spirit. Begin to walk in it. Begin to believe in it. Rest. Even though you don't see it. Rest. Do the work of the soil. Make sure you get the rocks out. Make sure you get the limiting beliefs out, the ways in which you've challenged God and said, I won't, I won't allow that, and I won't believe that, and I won't change that. Get all that stuff out. Like, remove it, remove it. Like, get, get rid of the weeds, get rid of the competing desires, get rid of all of that, and then plant peace in your heart, and then rest. We talked about this in our, in our parenting class. We did a parenting class a couple years ago. And uh, the guy, we were watching a video together, and he was talking about how, how everything comes out of our heart. Proverbs says that, that everything, all the issues of life, spring, it says, out of our heart. So if you are rebellious, if your child is rebellious, it's because they're rebellious in their heart. If your child is not kind or unkind, it's because they're unkind in their heart. Their actions are just a reflection of what's inside. Right? So you are growing something, by the way. And so the, the question is, what, what are we growing? And so often we want our kids to grow kindness. Right? Be nice to your sister. <laughs> we want our kids to grow patience. He's a little slower. Just wait up for him. Right? We want our kids to grow these things. But sometimes in the absence of growth, we opt for addition. And addition is where you focus on behavior. Now, you always have to be aware of behavior because behavior is a sign of what's growing on the tree is a sign of what's in the tree. But the, the square wheels, I think it, a lot of times that's, that's a focus on behavior. It's a way of thinking that evaluates the growth of God in my life with how I am behaving. And essentially what you're doing is you're walking up to a barren tree and you're like, man, I, I, I need peace. I got, I got nothing. 
And instead of taking the time to cultivate that tree in your heart, instead of taking the time to water it, to wait, to trust God, instead of that, you go to H-E-B and you buy a bag full of apples. Right? You go to church, it's like what Pastor Harry said, and then you get it and you duct tape the apples onto the branches. And we do this with our kids all the time. Stop saying that. Say this. Stop acting like that. Act like this. And they learn how to decorate their lives with good fruit. But they never learn how to produce good fruit. So when they get out from our house and we're not decorating them anymore, I've had parents tell me, well, 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 I don't understand what happened. They know what's right and wrong. I told them. Well, good for you. You thought that was your job? To be the moral police? To just tell them? I mean, cops will do that, you know? Police officers will tell them. Man, no, your job is to cultivate them, teach them. The scripture says train up a child, which is way different than talking to them. You have to cultivate them so that they are producing what is right. Like that's the role of parents, not just simply to inform their little humans of what is right and wrong and teach them how to conform and, and look right and sound right. And you can take them, I mean, there's, there's benefits to trees that you duct tape fruit on. You can take them to the, to, the, to the restaurant without them embarrassing you. So that's nice. But what about their future? Do, do, are they growing anything? Or are they going to get to college and get some shaking and all of those rotten apples start falling off? And they show how barren they are. And they realize how empty and how they're lacking in the ability to produce something. And it's not just parents. I mean, pastors do this all the time, right? I just need you to do this and to do that and to do that. And we focus on behavior and we develop churches where even that becomes the, the pinnacle. That becomes the ideal. No longer do we celebrate someone who is growing we only celebrate trees with lots of fruit on them. Who cares how it got there? Nobody even bothers to check. Is anybody checking in with that person? No, they're doing all the right stuff. Yeah, but is anybody like, what? what? No, we don't even, like, forget it. They, 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 got, they, got, they, got, they got fruit on the tree. They're good. It looks kind of like duct tape, though. It's fine. <laughs> Look at the fruit. Look at all that fruit there. They're doing all the right stuff until they're not. And then, like, the, the, the people will even say, well, you know, uh, you shouldn't sin because think that, that that'll, that'll make Jesus look bad. Like, we put Jesus within our same paradigm. He's a barren tree, got a bunch of duct tape fruit, and he wants to look good. What? No, man, that's not Jesus. That might be the pastor, but that's not Jesus. That might be his paradigm, his ideology, his value system. That's not Jesus' value system. Jesus wants to grow something inside of us. So he's okay with some barrenness from time to time. Because you haven't grown anything. He'd rather a tree that doesn't have anything than a tree that never learned how to grow something. And so what he wants to do is he wants to remove the square wheels, which is really our thinking and how we think about spiritual growth. And he wants to instead put the round wheels on our thinking. And when, when that happens, see, and, and this is what's interesting about the little cartoon is the round wheels are there all along. You have the capacity 
You have what it takes. God has given you peace. God has given you joy. God has given all of the, in fact, scripture says he wouldn't withhold any good thing from us. He's given you healing, physical healing. He's given you emotional healing. He's given, he's given it to you, but oftentimes it's sitting in the cart, <laughs> just not used because we're too busy pushing harder, striving harder, working harder that we don't realize that the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sows a seed and he goes to sleep and he rises by day and it happens and he doesn't know how and that's okay. God's doing stuff that you don't know how he's doing and that he's fine with that. The question is, are you fine with that? And the question is, are you willing to let him do stuff that you don't know how he's doing it? And it doesn't make sense what he's asking of you. And it doesn't seem to correlate. See, we're, we're in a very linear culture, a very mechanical culture. So even sometimes in, in, the, in the professional medical field, even though they deal with, with living things, sometimes they treat it as a machine. Oh, you have a headache? We should give you something to heal that headache to stop your head from hurting. But yet we're not, we're not machines. So if you have a headache, it's because something else is wrong in your body. You are a holistic being. So Ro and I like more holistic type doctors and medicine because we think that it's more important to deal with what caused the headache than to deal with the headache so you can get on about your day. Because what happens, you can put a Band-Aid on the headache, you can take an aspirin or whatever, put a Band-Aid on it, but if you don't actually figure out what your body is telling you, agricultural people are very connected to the land. They're very connected to the land. They understand what the land is telling them. Mechanical people don't understand that. I went to HEB yesterday because Roe has busted her ankle. Well really severely sprained it so she can't put that's why she's not here today she can't put weight on it so I'm doing all the grocery shopping kind of Mr. Mom and so Rose like I need some vegetables I'm like all right sure just tell me what to get she says I need some onions and so I was talking to Jeremy I was like man I'm Mr. Mom today I'm going buying some onions and uh, I said I have no idea what what a good onion is because they're all awful <laughs> so I said I don't know and he's like oh man you can't go wrong with onions and I'm like, well, Roe said something about don't get the squishy ones. He's like, well, yeah, you don't get squishy ones. I said, that's how you can go wrong with onions. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, I was like, dude, like, I've never picked up an onion and thought, should I purchase this? Never in my life. I see onions. They're in this little crate thingy, and the prices are going up, and that's interesting. I walk right by them. Now, Ro, she stops, she examines, she's like, okay, this is a good, she's going to eat it, I don't care. But now, all of a sudden, a guy who doesn't know anything about onions has to go pick out a good onion. I figure, man, it's like watermelons. There is no science. You just grab it and hope it's a good one. Everybody's got their pseudoscience about what constitutes a good watermelon. Anyway, uh, no, I mean, I just figured, I said, man, I'm not, like, I don't, I don't know these things. How do you know these things? Right? Yeah, Google, I don't know. I mean, but I, I think there's a, there's a sense in which you can get connected with the land and you can recognize, oh, that's, that's, that's dirt that's too dry. I have no idea what dirt that's too dry looks like. 
right? Maybe some of you are farmers. Maybe you guys have lovely gardens out there in your backyard and you know. I don't know. But this is what I think we have to do. We have to develop a sensitivity to ourselves, to our garden. And so as I was talking to my friend early, early in the week, he says, how do you handle stress? I said, well, first, I listen to my body. Because your body will tell you that you're not handling stress well. We had a guy in our church a while back, he was going through a very stressful time and he wasn't handling it well. And I noticed like half of his goatee like wouldn't grow. And I was like, dude, what's up with your face? Like, <laughs> it's not like he had a full on beard or anything. He just like, he just had a little scruff and then like nothing. And I was like, what's going on? He's like, I, I think it's because of the stress. It's just not growing. And it's true. Some people, like, their hair falls out. That doesn't mean you need to go get Rogaine. That means you need to be sensitive. I'm not handling stress well. My body is telling me that. Some, some, some men, like on parts of their face, hair doesn't grow where it used to grow. And then they start handling stress well, and it does grow. Some of us have a, 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 like a sharp pain in our chest or like an empty feeling in our stomach. Some people are like physically trembling. They shake when they think about the situation that causes them stress. Their body is telling them, hey, you're not handling it well. And yet we're so used to being mechanical that we're like, oh, no, no, my body's a machine. No, it's not. It's a living thing. It's connected to your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, which is connected to your spirit. And you are a holistic being. And so you need to be sensitive to the soil. And also you need to be sensitive to the season. Say, God, what are, what are you wanting to grow in me right now? What season am I in? So let's just do that right now. Let's just come before the Lord. I just feel the Holy Spirit just saying, yeah, let's do that. Let's just ask him. Father, we come before you and we have a lot of different fields here in different seasons. Some it's raining, some it's dry. You alone know the season. First, Father, I pray that you would open up our sensitivity simply to our field, that we would be aware of what our field is needing. Because it's not the toxic work environment that steals our stress. If it were, we could just take scripture that says that he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. And we would just keep our mind on Jesus and we would be in perfect peace. And yet when we read that, we say, I can't do that. My mind's going 100 miles an hour all over the place. Ah, so it's not the work environment. It's a toxic mind. Father, may we be aware of what's going on inside of us. Be aware of what's going on in our spirit our soul, and our bodies. Taking cues from all of this because we want our faith to grow. We don't just want to eliminate things that are painful. We actually want to grow. We thank you, Father, that you take responsibility for our growth. And so would you show us right now, what do you want to grow in us this week? What have you been trying to grow in us? Maybe we've been fighting against. What area of our life do you want to see fruit? 
How do you want to care for me this week, Father? How do you want to support me this week? How do you want to cultivate me? We open ourselves up to the moving, the prompting of the Holy Spirit, which would illuminate to us the wind of God, what he's doing in this season. We open up ourselves to the, the Son of God, Jesus, who would empower us to serve, to lay down our preferences for the desire of heaven. We open up, we open up ourselves to the Father, who is the creator, who is the beginner of all things, for what he wants to birth inside of us in this season. Surrender is the key. Rest is the key. So we surrender to God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, three in one. And just like we do that personally, Father, we also do that as a church. What do you want to grow in this church? What are you developing in this church? We open up ourselves to you in this field and in this city, in this part of Texas. What are you doing in this part of Texas, Father? What do you want to do through City Chapel? How do you want to use us after an ice storm? Are you wanting us to go clean up people's yards? Are you wanting us to minister to people in that way? Father, may we, may we be sensitive to the seasons that we're in and the soil. What does the soil need right now? In our families, Lord, what do you want to grow in the field of our families? What do, what do our families need right now? What do our relationships need right now? In what ways do we need to rest and in what ways do we need to cultivate? What do our kids need? How can we cultivate them? How can we serve them? We open up ourselves to the Holy Spirit and to the Son and to the Father. Jesus.